Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Good evening or good morning whenever you are listening. I hope that you're enjoying the study this month. We are in the very last month. This is the second Dig a Bit for the study this month and we're going to be for this next few minutes in Acts chapter 7 where we are studying the pictures of glory there that were painted verbally by Stephen just moments before he left this earth to go and be in glory with God. I want us to just notice I'd like to trace for you your Abrahamic lineage all the way back to Abraham. We are the children of Abraham. We are the children of promise. And we are the people of the covenant today of the Abrahamic covenant as Christians. So I want us to trace our lineage spiritually all the way back to Abraham as Stephen was trying to do when he was so rudely interrupted in Acts chapter 7. So let's look at Acts chapter 7. And let's begin reading at the very first of the chapter, and let's read about eight verses. Acts chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. Then said the high priest, Are these things so? He's addressing Stephen, the martyr. And he said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. This is Stephen talking. Now the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran or Karen, your version might say, and said unto him, Get you out of the country and from thy kindred, and come into the land which I will show you. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran, and from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein ye now dwell. And he gave him none inheritance in it, no, not so much as to set his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give it to him for possession and to his seed after him, when as yet he had no child. And God spake on this wise, that his seed should sojourn in a strange land, and that they should bring them into bondage and treat them evil four hundred years. And of course, we're referring here to the Egyptian bondage. And the nation to whom they shall be in bondage will I judge, said God. And after that shall they come forth and serve me in this place. And of course, he's speaking here in Judea. And verse 8, And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begat Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac begat Jacob. And Jacob begat the twelve patriarchs. As we read those eight verses, we see really a repetition of what happened in other places, but specifically Genesis chapter 12. We see when God came to Abraham in Haran and said, Up, get you out of this land. Separate yourself from your kindred and from your people because I'm going to make of you a great nation. That's what Stephen is really rehearsing here. And for the next few minutes, I want us to look at how we are that people today. We are the people as Christians. We're the people of the Abrahamic covenant. So let's notice the tenets of that covenant. First of all, it was a covenant of separation. That's in verse 3 as Stephen was talking. And he said to him, this is God talking to Stephen, get up and get out of your country and from your kindred and come into the land which I will show you. It was a covenant of 
separation. Abraham had to realize from the get-go that he wasn't going to be mixed in with the people with whom he had been mixed all of his lifetime. God was calling him out to separate himself and his people from his kindred. It was a covenant of separation. Turn your Bibles, if you have them with you, to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we'll begin in verse 14, and I want you to get this concept of separation here for Christians today. Don't be equally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion does light have with darkness? And what concord has, has Christ with Belial? Or what part has he who believes with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come ye out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. And don't touch the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I'll be a father to you, and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. The covenant repeated there in a spiritual context for Christians today, a separated people, people of the covenant. Number next, it was a covenant of a great nation. And that's what Abraham was promised, that he was going to give his seed the inheritance in the promised land and the nation that to whom they were going to be in bondage while they grew to be a great nation themselves god was going to judge that nation and bring forth those people and of them he was going to make a great nation we are spiritually speaking that great nation today i want, to, I want us to notice the prophecy of isaiah I'm going to be turning there. Isaiah chapter 62. Isaiah chapter 62. Let me get all the way back there. My Bible just automatically opens to Isaiah 53. And turn a few pages over. Isaiah chapter 62. Beginning in verse 1. For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness and the salvation thereof is a lamp that burns. And the nations, the Gentiles, shall see your righteousness and all kings your glory. And you'll be called by a new name, Acts eleven twenty six, Christian, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Thou shalt be also a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. He's talking here about the Gentile nations coming together and being called by a new name. Verse 12 of that same chapter says, And they shall call them the holy people. What, what did we just talk about? Sanctified, set apart, separated. And they shall call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And thou shalt be called sought out, a city not forsaken. I love that passage because, you know, Abraham was promised a great nation. And we are the nation of God today in a spiritual sense. Next, Abraham was, it was a covenant given to Abraham of a promised land. 
Do we have, as his people today, a land promise? Well, we do. And we read about that land. And it is a land that spiritually flows with milk and honey. And we can read about it in Revelation chapter 22. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of the street of it. And on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants will serve him, and they will see his face, and his name will be in their foreheads, and there won't be any night there. And they don't need candles, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Do we have a promised land? You bet we do. And we read about it in this passage as well as lots of other passages. Now the next one's interesting. It was a covenant of circumcision. As we read when we were reading in Acts chapter 7, Stephen clearly pointed out the point of circumcision. I don't think that that was an accident because we're going to read about the new circumcision that's not of the flesh but of the heart as we continue through Paul's letters in the New Testament. But when we look at Acts chapter 7 and verse 8, and he gave him the covenant, the agreement of circumcision. And so Abraham begat Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. They had a physical sign of the covenant and we are circumcised today by God himself in a spiritual operation. Let's look at Colossians chapter two. Colossians chapter two, you'll be turning there typing that in your phone we will be looking at verses 11 let's start with 10 and you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power in whom also you are circumcised and this is a different circumc circumcision not the one that men do with their hands on a part of their body with the circumcision made without hands in putting off, what part of the body are we putting off? What are we cutting off? What flesh are we cutting off? In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. We're going to let Christ cut something off of us, and it's the sins of the flesh. Verse 12, buried with him in baptism. That's where circumcision happens. Wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. God's doing an operation on us. He's removing something. He's removing the malignancy of sin who has raised him from the dead. You being dead in your sins through your trespasses and the uncircumc uncircumcision of your flesh has he made alive together with him having forgiven you all of your trespasses. I love that because God's doing an operation. It's not a fleshly circumcision, but it's a circumcision that removes sin from our lives, giving us the answer of a good conscience toward God, 1 Peter 3. And when we come up out of those waters of baptism, we are spiritually circumcised. 
So we have a covenant of separation. We have a covenant of a great nation. We have a covenant of a promised land. We have a covenant of circumcision and all those things we see in what Stephen was saying in Acts chapter 7. And then Galatians 3 just really caps off this discussion of our uh, the fact that we can trace our lineage as Christians all the way back to the promise of Abraham. So look at Galatians 3 with me. Let's do beginning in verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness, don't you know, therefore, that those who are of the faith, listen, the same are the children of Abraham? And the scripture, foreseeing that God was going to justify the Gentiles through faith, preached beforehand the gospel to Abraham, saying, Wait a minute, what was happening when this, when this promise was made to Abraham? The gospel was being preached to him. The gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus was in that promise because there was going to be a great nation, and through that nation was going to come Jesus, and through Jesus we were going to be circumcised, not a, in a fleshly circumcision, but the removal of the sin from of the flesh, from our bodies, from our lives. So he, say, so he says, And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles through faith, preached beforehand the gospel to Abraham, saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. Who's the all nations that are going to be blessed? So, verse 9, Then those who are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Who's his seed? Those who are of faith. For as many, verse 10, as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it's written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it's evident. For the righteous will live by faith, and the law is not a faith. The man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. That is, we could not keep the law perfectly. So the law condemned every man up until the time of Christ. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Verse 14, listen, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Praise God, that's me. Might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant. Yet if it be confirmed, no man disannuls it or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He didn't say unto seeds as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed, which is Christ. I love how he's, uh, Paul here is making an argument based on one letter, S. He didn't say seeds. He said seed. He's going to do this through the seed. And that seed is Christ. And since we, listen, get this with me, since we are in Christ, Galatians 3, 27, here we are in, the, in that passage, we are baptized into Christ. We are in Christ. Who's the seed of Abraham? That seed is Christ. And so when we are in Christ, we are part of the seed of Abraham. 
Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said not, this is verse 16, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant, we're talking about that fourfold covenant that we just talked about, that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it's no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. You can't get it through the law of Moses because it was by promise and it was through. Remember, he didn't give him the inheritance then. He didn't let him have it then. Not even enough to put his foot on it said. For if the inheritance be of the law, it's not of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. The promise through the seed, singular, which was Christ. Wherefore then serves the law? Well, it was added because of transgressions till the seed, that's Christ, should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. And a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, righteousness should have been by the law. The law couldn't give life. The law couldn't keep the promise to Abraham. But the scripture has concluded all are under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ could be given to those who believe. Before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up to faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was just our tutor to bring us to Christ so that we could be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we're no longer under that tutor. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. You're children of Abraham too. We are in the seed of Abraham. That seed is Christ and we are in Christ. That makes us the seed of Abraham. And we can trace our spiritual lineage all the way back. There is neither Jew nor Greek, bond or free, male nor female. We are one in Christ Jesus. I skipped verse 27, and it's so important. As many of you as have been, what? Baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Where does the circumcision happen? Where does the covenant of circumcision start for you and me? Well, we just read that. It's in baptism. And if you are Christ's, if we are Christ, verse 29, if we belong to Christ, then we belong to Abraham. We're Abraham's seed, and we are heirs according to the promise. I love it. Because what it tells us there is that Abraham's covenant, yes, was one of separation, one of a great nation, one of a promised land, one of circumcision, and his the ultimate fulfillment of that covenant promise was Jesus Christ. He was the seed that was promised to Abraham. We are baptized into Christ, and as many of us as are baptized into Christ, put on Christ. He envelops us. We he is on. We are in him. And when we get into Christ, then we are children of Abraham. We're part of the seed. And we're inheriting the seed promise. I love that glory passage. Next time we'll talk about 
the question that they ask also in Acts, um, uh, well, the question that, that is rehearsed by Stephen when Moses killed the Egyptian and then he was found out and the question was put to him, who made you to be a ruler and a judge? I want us to talk a little bit about that question next time and the glory that ensued from that. Have a great day. Have a great rest of the study. I hope you're going to be with us Tuesday night at 7 Central Time for the announcement, the revelation of the new study for next year. I hope you're not getting so discouraged by the things that are very discouraging in our nation right now that you feel like you can back away from the Word of God because you're just in despair. I don't want us to feel that way. I want us to, to say we need it more than we ever have needed it. And it is our refuge. It's our strength. It is our light in times of darkness and how we need to be involved in some kind of Bible study, some kind of systematic Bible study, I would even say, at this time of relative crisis all around us. So I hope to see you next time. It'll be Dig a Bit 3 next time, and I hope to see you on the podcast. It is a YouTube uh, presentation, and the link is all over my wall and all over the Digging Deep wall. So just go there, click on the link. You can click on it right now, and it has a place where you will get a reminder when it's actually time for that to occur. So I hope you are there with us, and I'll be praying that God blesses our study once again this year. He is so good. Have a great day.